Welcome back, friends and scoundrels, to Weird Wolf Unchained for who knows how long. I'm Brand. And I'm Ryan. And today we're talking about underwater. But uh, let me address that comment real quick. I'll probably be changing the name here soon. Um, probably actually be in place before uh, this recording comes out, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, house cleaning stuff, man. Sound like we're just not into this night, don't we? <laughs> House cleaning stuff. Um, like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Uh, let us know what you're liking, what you're not liking. Uh, maybe some things you'd like to hear us do more specifically, I guess. Um, should be starting to get a lot better flow of what we're intending to do with this as we continue forward from here. And. Same thing if you're on podcast, pretty much. Rate and review. Let us know what you like there. Or go visit on YouTube. Whatever whatever you want to do. Uh, yeah. So. Underwater. Um, you want to do the synopsis? or? Uh, I can give a, a brief one if you want. Uh, underwater uh, takes place uh, uh, relatively... Close to in the future, uh, uh, the Marina, Marinara Trench, Marin, duh, sorry, Mariana, yeah, Mariana, thank you. Uh, tongue just did not want to say that right. Uh, uh, a uh, drilling platform, uh, they don't think they ever mention exactly what they're drilling for, but uh, uh, the and uh, we uh, end up with a unspecified disaster right off the bat uh damn near a cold open to the disaster we literally meet one character before it hits and that's the it's kind of a combination sci-fi thriller horror and uh sure. and uh disaster because let's just of throw it. a bunch of noodles at the wall and see what sticks Kinda, yeah. That's it, that's well, without reading it verbatim from uh, a site or anything. That's the basic plot. Our, our survivors try to uh, escape the crumbling wreckage as they as they go. So I just want to touch on a couple things there real quick, just for a little bit of clarification. Uh, end credits. We get a time period about twenty fifty. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. So about thirty years from now, and you might get it in the uh, opening credits to it, and pay as much attention to dates there. But like, it's got newspaper clippings and stuff, so you yeah. can pick up the date there. And I, um, I, I actually jumped the opening credits, and which I knew was a mistake because this isn't the first time I've watched it. But uh, <laughs> I, I jumped the opening credits for this uh, rewatch, and. I, I just stopped at the end of the movie. So yeah, I missed that point, unfortunately. But And then the opening credits, uh, they're drilling for crude oil. Okay, just more oil. Which okay. I find, honestly, a little bit disappointing. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. whole lot more to get that uh, that far down than just oil. But I mean, what, what, whatever whatever's going to make you money, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So before we get into this movie, I want to jump back to a couple movies and talk about a quiet I had a fun idea. Okay. Um, but uh, one thing on first watch, this movie did kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Quiet Place, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's as bad as it was for a Quiet Place. Um, 
but I just had a really cool idea watching those opening credits and it flashing through stuff that that would have actually been a decent way to start uh, a yeah. quiet place. W- would have definitely and, given us a lot more information. Yeah, for even a if quiet just place. Yeah, scanning through his room just a little bit slower, a few less newspaper articles. You know stop mm-hmm. and highlight the things that are important for us to know yeah. and then you get to a window and you follow the window out to lee on top of the silo and as you're going out there you know the sun's setting it gets dark by the time you get through you see him lighting the fire did i did i say that uh uh that a montage at the beginning of a quiet place may have been a, a good way to go because it's essentially the same idea it's just a clip I think we touched on that in a couple of different ways. Yeah. I, I think we each had our own idea of how to do that. Yeah. Um, but then, like, essentially, the story is just about the same. But mm-hmm. instead of having that kind of cold open, you do the uh, that actual openings flashbacks as we kind of introduce to the characters, except for Lee, the very first time. Mm-hmm. To kind of set up what's going on, because like I still haven't the pictures of his son but i don't know if i'd watch him burning them okay just because um it, it, i think it would set it up a lot better for down the road when you get to his flashback of him failing to get to his son and his, and and him dying uh what's his name bo i think uh, and yeah you have that flashback just before we see him working on the cochlear devices to kind of establish why he's so determined to do that a little bit but then that could also be almost your final one to be like all right um child you know this is how the child died. Yeah. this is why everybody feels this way and just a little bit of editing difference makes a hell of a difference oh yeah uh, uh, editing room decisions can make or break a movie absolutely and that's one of my things with this movie too there are definitely moments of style over substance with the editing here. I'll, I'll give that. Yeah. Um, well, the, one of the things that I noticed is that um, we don't really get into the characters too much until yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, then we're given all this information about the characters and how they actually relate to each other and everything. Yeah. Like, and, you're and, supposed and, to do that at the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and that's the flaw. One of my big flaws to this movie, because I actually like so many of the movies that we've uh, we've talked about, I saw this in the theater at the beginning of the year before everything got yeah. screwy. Um, and I was basically alone. <laughs> nice. but I enjoyed this immensely. And unlike A Quiet Place, afterwards, I didn't have many complaints. I didn't have a meltdown thinking about it there, there's a couple of there's a couple of minor things that i dislike about this but not many and yeah. Th- that yeah that touches on one of them is that we we get to we inter- get introduced to nora for like two minutes maybe four tops yeah and, and, this and shit hits yeah and then and then crap yeah and it's like okay yeah i i i, I get the feeling that someone either the writer or the director wanted to break some of the rules with this because they they straight up break one of the rules about uh narration cold open starts with her, to- her her hearing her thoughts and the movie ends with it too and yeah. 
in this instance, I don't mind it because there's no there's no good way to convey that without making it look like she's talking to herself in either yeah. instance. And so narration, in this case, it works for me. And But yeah, not meeting any of these people. So we have no idea. I mean, if this movie had 20 more minutes on the beginning, 15 to 20 minutes, where we get to meet the people and before they're in a crisis scenario... I think this wouldn't have bombed nearly as bad as it did. A few things with it. Um, cause like this shat, uh, sorry, not shat. It sat on the shelf at Fox yeah. for three years. Uh, it was, yeah, it started production early 2017, ended production end of 2017. And it just sat there until the beginning of, uh, until February, 2020. Yeah. And I, uh, looking through IMDb stuff, because I, I was really struggling to kind of understand some of the things that the movie was wanting to do, mm-hmm. let alone what it was actually trying to do. And so I was digging through that, trying to see, cause, you know, sometimes you can get some interesting snippets from it. Yeah. And I watched interviews and all kinds of other stuff. And one of them was uh, people questioning if there was some studio interference in it, which could be a, a thing mm. but uh have you watched the signal i have heard of it and it is one of those movies that i think i would like but i haven't watched um i would like I, it um because yeah. i i didn't dislike it but it has a lot of this uh similar stylistic element to it that this yeah. does the we just get into a situation with the characters and just kind of go on this ride with them yeah and it's definitely slow burn, um, pretty predictable, but it, it gives you everything about the characters at the end of the movie instead of even in the middle would have been a little bit better. But yeah. yeah, and like thinking about this with these characters, I don't, depending on how you want to do things, like I said, I tried, I struggled a little bit trying to understand maybe what they were trying to say for themes or what their actual intent to go with was. Um, and, and, and that's Definitely actually something feels. I wanted to touch on too, because th- there's a couple of instances through the uh, through to the middle of the movie where it the the it seems to try try to be saying that science. Could, one of my big pet peeves about science fiction movies is uh, a science fiction movie should not hate itself. And some science fiction, some movies where the guise of science fiction will be actually being anti-science is what I mean. Uh, and Jurassic Park's a pretty good example of that. But Jurassic Park's a pretty good example of that. And, Michael Crichton uh, actually pulled that up pretty well, I think. Yeah. Um, it, that's actually a very good example of an anti-science science fiction movie. It, it, it is both, effectively. Um, this, um, our research assistant, what's her name? Emily. Um, she even goes to the extent of straight up saying that we dug too deep, that we shouldn't even be here. And that was a cringy moment for me. And I'm just like, uh, even in the theater, I hear that and I'm like, are you trying to make me hate this movie? (laughs) Yeah, well, my biggest problem with that, because I, I don't, I don't mind the cautionary side of things, because 
it it is valuable to have that aspect of something to do not do things for the sake of doing things um uh, now in, in the instance of uh in the instance of doing thing uh not doing things just because you can that's one thing but that that is almost literally the modus operandi of science uh, to a degree yeah it, to 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 find out what they can just because they can and uh I, I, i'm gonna save part of this rant for later because it's uh not not that uh not that anyone's not gonna know the spoiler of the end if they're actually listening to this but uh <laughs> if if you've been listening to this any little bit we spoil the hell out of this stuff oh yeah in a yeah very I, random haphazard way yeah it's it's <laughs> And uh, again, the, the, there's the, the the ending of my anti-science rant is best done towards the end of the, our conversation when we're talking more about the end of the movie because it, it sort of ties together. But uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, but no, like it, they make that comment, but then they don't give any actual foundation to yeah that potential theme or that potential metaphor, if you will. Yeah. Of uh, because like they don't determine if it was an earthquake necessarily. They don't determine if spo first spoiler I suppose the creatures did it. Yeah. If you know if it was a product of drilling, if it just happened, like and for the sake of the movie, just trying to keep that vaguety, it works. But at the same time, it, like they do are trying to say certain things. Yeah. Like um, you brought up the narration. One of the things that I struggle with that is I can't tell if it's a book-ended narration. Like if it's here's the first part and then here's the end part or yeah. if it's two separate things. Because sometimes when you have that kind of narration where the main character starts off, they usually start one way and then their end narration puts a cap on it by demonstrating their character development. Yeah. And that's not there either, because um, back to the opening credits, uh, read some of my clunky notes, maybe. Um, they bring up the topic of isolation and being mm -hmm. underwater for that long. So it's like it's trying to set up this as it's going to have a psychological element to it. Yeah. Because um, in her narration, you know, when you're underwater for this long, Days and nights blend together, and there's waking and dreaming, and it's hard to tell the difference between the two. Yeah, but then it doesn't do anything with it. Yeah, and it like it, even visually, it starts it off with it because there's a spider seven feet below the surface of the water. So, so, well, so, or six, not seven what, feet, seven miles. Yeah, six six and a half ish miles. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, like, that's you wouldn't have a spider down there. So is that something that could be a projection of her imagination? Like, what's going on here? But no, yeah. it's a real spider just because he thought it would be cool. And I'll give this guy that. He does rule of cool pretty pretty well. Yes. yes like, uh, that, that's what makes a lot of this movie forgiving. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 would, I would totally agree with that. The, the, the cool on display is absolute. I mean, every... Uh, some of the transitions are way style over substance and uh, there, there's a couple of things that uh uh what is it two or three of the 
one, two, yeah, uh, two instances, or no, it is three. It's uh, uh, where we kind of cut, uh, not so much the, the way a movie typically does, because this movie doesn't really, there, there's some time lapse in a couple of spots where you know that they were like waiting around for a little longer than it seemed. But uh, um, the, 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 this movie likes to transition between chapters with explosions. <laughs> and, given, and, given what you're doing, that could be an effective way to do it. Yeah, and <laughs> and in this, normally I would kind, normally I would actually complain about that because it's like, come on, how Michael Bay can we get? But it's really actually very effective here. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's an element of the story, and it can lead to some time lapses and changing of scenery. To yeah, good. Like 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 you mentioned, that it, it it hints on the the theme of kind of altered senses and uh, 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 isolation and stuff like that. And then every time we transition, and honestly, the more I think about it, it, it every major transition in this movie is done with an explosion that there's more than three of them i think there's five yeah i don't think it really stands out to me there's there's the uh the explosion that occurs just after they lock down the central hub at the beginning there's the explode the the guy's suit that explodes yeah there's the reactor exploding there's the captain's suit exploding, and then there's the uh, uh, hand of God, for lack of a better term, slapping down and causing a, a, a cavitation wave, which is effectively an explosion. Um, the, the movie transitions with explosions. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I want to harken back a little bit just to keep things interesting mm -hmm. so uh first time watching this movie i was like all right there's definitely some alien vibes here yeah a little bit of pitch black a little, bit. a little bit of armageddon which like i definitely buy the pitch black because there's in the opening credits you have a moment where it just says pitch black. yeah in a newspaper it highlights it. i'm like okay but it's like <laughs> a real quick flash so yeah. like yeah i can definitely see that now <laughs> it, yeah and the I, I I did have some struggles with it because I was like, God, I could just be watching Alien right now. Yeah, uh, it, it 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 wears its influences on its sleeve, and it's not always a good thing because yeah. the the more you compare it, the more I compare it in my mind to Alien. It it is drastically inferior because it doesn't it never. It never stops to take a breath. Um, and that, that that's one of the things that Alien did really well is tension, 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 let it sink in. Yeah. And and at the at the beginning, I mean, if you'd never if you'd never seen uh the, the trailers for Alien, you could have been going into just about any space movie for the first forty five minutes. But uh, yeah, and so yeah, that that is one instance where it's not 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 bad. It's just inferior, and it's sort of obvious. But well, it, did I say here? 
Um, if I did, I'm going to repeat myself. Please do. Um, trying to figure out, you know, I did watch some interviews and Q&As and behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. And the one Q&A I only took from the first couple minutes when he's talking to William begins with an E, the director. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, uh, oh crap! I, I, I should remember this. It's a, it's a street here, Eubank. Yeah. Um, apparently he referenced a lot of other movies a lot on set, mm -hmm. and I could totally see that. Cause apparently, so it told a little bit of a, uh, Kubrick, and okay. just had to take like twenty, thirty shots from different angles and doing all kinds of different stuff, and I could almost see him on set being like, oh, you know what was really cool? This thing in this movie, let's do that. Yeah. Which, I, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. No, no. But, like, when you do that while you're in the process of making a movie, it can be very easy to lose what you're doing and take away from it. And I, I, I could very much see that kind of being what happened, maybe a little bit. Could be, could be. Um, uh, honestly, uh, not having known any of that, it makes perfect sense to me because some of the, some of the scene, some of the way things are shot here, just aren't the standard way that those scenes would normally be shot. And it, it's one of the things I find very interesting about this movie. Yeah. Um, th th there's a couple of instances where my first thought is that the movie is. Uh, the, the 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 movie suffering from the male gaze sort of thing on a couple of occasions, but then it movie. does the, then it does the exact same thing to one of the male characters, and it's like kind of yeah, and it's like oh okay, well, you're kind of screwing with us. <laughs> well, it does, but it does it in a more comedic way. Yeah, so it it almost changes the reasoning for it, but um, which which is which is true, but it. it the the halt the 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 uh if it had done the traditional male gaze on the male character without having done that to the female characters you wouldn't it, it wouldn't be a punchline and there's no joke there without this normal and then the unconventional so yeah yeah and honestly like uh, normally probably wouldn't say this but the male gaze thing is something that kind of bothered me in this. It, it took me out of the movie quite a bit. It was like, all right, you're just doing this for the sake of doing it. And there's better things you could be doing. Mm. And and it, with the suits and stuff, it just there's a lot of things that didn't make sense with me that pulled me out of the movie too. Like the way uh, suits like that in real life generally work. You're wearing some kind of under, uh, like a skin-tight undersuit with it. Mm. And that would... I, I can't disagree with that, but because yeah, there, there there is what we have now. Maybe there's a and because they don't go into any of the the technology that we don't have, like uh, the 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 air filters on these uh, suits become an issue uh, multiple times for characters throughout the movie, and they never give us any explanation for how they work so it's like okay we just have to we just have to take that this is a thing and it's like okay and some of that i'm okay with is just you know like i said generally with suits like that in real life because okay. of like chafing and stuff yeah. it just all right you just wanted her running around in earnware okay 
And again, like normally I wouldn't have a problem with it. It just, for some reason, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm changing a little bit. And, and, and see the, the only reason, the only reason I even bring it up is because of the juxtaposition and the, the, the the funny thing is is later in the movie it doesn't actually focus on them in the same way yes that the, the, there's two uh uh women running around in their underwear but it doesn't actually well, once it's made its joke it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't go on it too much yeah it doesn't linger on it the way the male gaze uh, thing typically does so yeah cuz there is a couple moments where you're Almost that Texas Chainsaw Massacre angle following Kristen Stewart, but it's actually focused on somebody else. So uh, her derriere is a little bit more blurry. Yeah. And, 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 and if we were truly dealing with the male gaze, that, that would be the focal point. But yeah. I, I noticed uh, a couple points like that. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it does do it on purpose several times, but I truly think it was to set up the joke to set up the just juxtaposition that we're breaking one of the rules and doing this. But I mean, honestly, you've got more behind the scenes on this than I do. Oh, Cause I what? haven't. That might be why they made that editing choice. Cause in that scene uh, that you're talking about, the, the female gaze is bad, real bad editing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause Nora makes a comment to Emily to take her pants off fit and suit and then we cut to everybody having their clothes off cut back to everybody starting to take their pants off and that's when we get tj miller's rump right in the middle of the screen oh yeah. these are porn too yeah and and all i mean i i know that he is a problem honestly i i don't know what the thing was about him but this is probably even more than the, the 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 Deadpool movies, because he he's obviously there to banter in the Deadpool movies. Here, I, I can't think of an actor that could have been this character exactly, other That's than him. Problem with TJ Miller. So this is coming a little bit from our pre-show banter. Uh, I I'm not a big fan of TJ Miller for yeah, the most part. Um, I like Jack Black slightly more than TJ Miller. Yeah, and, and, and again, it, I don't know what the not a not a fan or not fan of his. I mean, I, I think he's distracting in Deadpool and one and two uh, more than yeah. he's helpful because he's well, mean, he's just there to riff with Ryan Reynolds exactly and do, like and, he does in this. Just make random comments and, that are supposed and, to be funny, but it's just so out I of actually, place sometimes that it. Makes I don't it actually hard. think he's supposed to be funny here. Uh, well, uh, I, 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 well, no, the, no, 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 no. Uh, again, the yes, he's he's T.J. Miller, but and I, I, I did say I don't think anyone else could have quite done this character the way he did, and that might be why he is the actor for this character. But he is the guy who deals with stress by just talking. And at that to a degree, it just, I don't know. It, it might just be the TJ Miller thing for me. And it, yeah, it might be. I mean, I know like, very little about the guy other than him being in Deadpool. That's it. Him, um, him, him and this, Deadpool 1 and 2, 
and I know that there was some sort of scandal involving him. That's it. That's all I know about the guy. God, I can't even think what other movies I've seen him in. So I've seen him in quite a bit. And like some t- like uh How to Train Your Dragon, he plays Rough Nut. And like that's a perfect character for him. Just yeah. saying dumb stuff at times. <laughs> I see I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> but and there's like other movies that he's done with like maybe with Seth Rogen or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But it it's just him just ripping out random lines and that can be funny but like there's gotta be more and like Deadpool with him playing Weasel I just can't imagine TJ Miller actually being a smart person yeah or somebody who's capable of doing stuff because as Weasel he doesn't do any Weasel stuff just riffs with Ryan Reynolds yeah and in this like we don't actually know what his purpose is like if he's just the driller that's one thing but if he's i almost get the impression that maybe he's supposed to be a geologist maybe he he is one of two people one of three people that has their own uh diving suit um because his name is on his suit uh smith's is on his and so is the captain's um the other suits were just sort of cobbled together from from what from from the from what I got out of that. And so I think he's some sort of diver slash mechanic, it'd be my guess. But And I just, if he's supposed to be a geologist, that doesn't mesh for me. He's supposed no. to be a drill worker or, you know, outside welder or something, which I don't know if you'd really be able to pull it off at that depth. But... Uh, well, uh, you can. It's, 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 it, 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 it's just a matter of the right tools, but... You know. Yeah. And like that's that's irrelevant to anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, TJ's one TJ's one of the things that pulls me out of this movie. And it might just be because I Yeah. And and I can understand that that might be one of the reasons a lot of people had issues with this cuz he's he's a big chunk of the first half of the movie. Yeah. And I mean, but... he's got some moments that could be decent, meaningful. Like he yeah. keeps making quotes to Alice in Wonderland, which is one of those things that I think they were trying to do thematically with it but like if you're doing alice in wonderland this is just her falling down the rabbit hole that day yeah yeah (laughs) and there's there's a there's a little bit of camaraderie between him and smith and him and nora but yeah that's that's like the other thing like at points you're supposed to be under the impression that none of these people really know each other but then they all seem to except for um ronaldo uh yeah, Ronaldo. Well, oh, um, I'm going to backtrack that a little Rodrigo. bit. Paul. Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Yeah, Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, Paul knows him. T.J. Miller's character knows him. Yeah. Because um, after uh, he dies, Paul's sitting there and kind of thinking to himself about his friend. And, you know, he's yeah. joke you used to tell. And that got to me a little bit personally because I kind of have one of those things. Yeah. But um, and then his thing with the rabbit. But it that I, I don't know, like, are we supposed to understand that these characters are supposed to know each other? And, and, and the, 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 the quote from Rodrigo uh, early that he knows of Nora, but she doesn't, she just barely knows his name. But, like, he, he usually he works shift and she works nights, I think. Exactly. And he, 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 he mentions that he changed shifts and blah, blah. And it's like, all we needed was 10 
ish minutes, maybe a little bit more with these people. And, and that would be solved. I mean, the, it, it's the, the getting to the action, getting to the meat of this movie is fine, but you've got to have the softer bits too. And the, the, the tension and the, and it, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Cause I said the same freaking thing essentially for, uh, uh, for a quiet place. They cared about this movie that they, they, they put a lot of effort into making it look good. They put a lot, I mean, yeah. all of the uh, actors, all of the actors are on their game. They give a shit, but that's not enough. And we, 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 this movie falters because we don't have a connection to these people before the action starts. Well, and even then, um, so I, I suppose we can start getting into the things a little bit because that's why I have danced around the characters thing a little bit. Go for it. Is, um, so the other thing out of the opening narration is Nora talks about uh, cynicism, and, you know, the, the comfort of being a cynic. Yeah. And if that's something you want to go with for her character, fine. But that's all she does. That's all that we're given about it. And then she does nothing cynical for the whole rest of the movie. Uh, there's a there's a couple of offhanded comments uh when when the when the captain the, this is just the one that comes to mind right off the top of my head but when the captain is detailing their plan to try to survive which involves actually going down to the ocean floor another mile down and then having to walk a mile across open water which yeah. sounds nuts even before uh, they have monsters on their ass, she's like, can, can you at least just admit that we could die doing this? That that sort that fits with that, but that's a little bit. Yeah, it it it. But and there's a couple other little things here and there, but it's not. You're right. It's not highlighted in any way, shape, or form, really. But like a couple of things, and this is where I struggle with, like, where do we actually get this character development? You could have the collapse of their station start happening, just maybe give them a little bit more time than like, what is it, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like 36 or 39, maybe. But like, give them, you know, like 70 minutes. So that way we have some time for them to sit down and kind of rehash with each other how they know each other and develop a plan and, and figure out what each of them does. That way, how can we use each other? And for how can we make best use of the things that we have to get through this? Yeah, I mean, which would be a fun, interesting way to do it, or just that blanket traditional here's 10 minutes going through each character and to play off the isolationism a little bit more. Yeah, instead of like Alien, where we see them as a group, show them working individually and have her with her partner whatever they work on in mechanical engineering yeah. where she's working on one thing and that person's working on another and she's being very cold and distant to them on purpose. Yeah. And then the other big moment for that, that would trigger this character transition to the end is instead of her saying they have time or whatever, or giving the people time to get through the door, you have Rodrigo doing it, saying those things, 
And then she just looks at him dead in the eye and goes, they don't have time and hits the button, closes the door. Yeah. Because then that actually makes it a lot more powerful for the moment when he makes the decision to give her the good helmet. Yeah, and it starts I, I agree with that. triggering effect of, oh, maybe people aren't as bad as I thought. Yeah. That that would definitely help her character development flow a little bit better. Yeah. Like even as she's making the comment about the comfort of cynicism, she's saving a spider. Mm. <laughs> and like it's almost like it's a mask that she's trying to wear that because she's sad and upset, but we don't know that yet because that information that isn't given to us till the end. Exactly. And like playing it being a smarter movie too with that information is her work area is just a work area. It's just got her tools and whatever she's dealing with. And then we see Smith and it's got the picture of her with her boyfriend or fiance or whatever he was. Yeah. Plus and like, and like show that yeah. they were a group. Yeah. They're like, wait, what's going on there? Yeah. You have to characterize these people for us to, care for us to understand their journey and i mean okay seeing someone die and knowing that they that person made a choice to take the risk themselves versus you just mentioning rodrigo again that is a powerful thing but it would have been even it would have been even better if we knew more about both of them and uh, a little bit more and again how that informs her changes Exactly, because e- e- even though we have essentially two people up that aren't her, aren't Nora, that survived this, she is our final girl, for lack of a different term. For all intents and purposes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's just one of those things that just kind of fell flat for me. Yeah. Because like, you want me to think this so hard, and the bubble collapses. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the, uh, the in. Uh, the lockdown scene right at the beginning in that terms, that is a great way to cap off her coldness better than having her be more concerned and more caring. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, I mean, obviously we don't have uh, a, a way to show this, but I mean, it, it, it was basically Nora at the controls, two people running down this exploding, imploding corridor and if she had hesitated even a few more seconds, we wouldn't have a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's just some things there. Uh, what else did I have here? The isolation thing. Cause like, um, I didn't finish that quite. Cause like the isolation still plays a big part of it. It just becomes more of an element of the setting rather than an yeah. actual theme of what's going on. Cause it definitely does not take the psychological aspect. Because no. like um, sitting down watching this, I was like, "All right, is this going to be a little bit alien Pandorum, just underwater, or what's going to go on here?" <laughs> Not that Pandorum wasn't underwater either, but <laughs> technically speaking, spoilers <laughs> for that movie. Uh... <laughs> but that's another one that's actually supposed to take place in space. But yeah, we don't know all the details right away. <laughs> That one does the isolation thing a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah. it's an actual purpose of the story and yeah. Absolutely. how being isolated from humanity, being in these essentially voids or, you know, empty places, the the toll that that takes on you, that's why, like, 
people on submarines in the military only on there for a few months stints at a time yeah is because it can be harrowing just in general like oh yeah you have but communication's a little bit better now just because of the technology but even so like you could be cut off at any moment yeah and like, you know, like we talked about a little bit with quiet place the sonar thing you know if you're just a hair you could take an antenna away <laughs> yeah and the brain does weird things when you don't get to see the sun for long periods of time. And yeah, it's. It could have been an interesting thing. Like thinking about like, what would I do with this story in that regard? And you'd have to definitely go a hard R, but like you have her go crazy and she sees everybody as monsters the... and starts killing them. And then like the end of the movie, you just see this room full of dead people that the whole movie we saw as monsters with her yeah the, the the there was a uh on my rewatch when the first explosion hits after she shuts the door i did have a thought that sort of head canon alternate alternate continuity thing what if this movie is just her fractured psyche going through the trauma of that explosion and she's dying through the process. Oh, those of, are of always film. fun too. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, I, I mean, Oh, you, that could fit. It could fit. It, it, it would be a, I mean, the killer with those sorts of movies is how do you reveal that it's not happening? <laughs> and one it, it very well could still work because getting right to the end of it for a second she does die oh yeah in an explosion mm -hmm. and oh no that does work better because that's kind of one of my little little yeah. problems with it is that at the end she has water splashing on her yeah rather than an explosion and being engulfed in those flames which is probably what would actually happen well it is a so if she's in that moment of dying and you have water falling on her that would explain the water instead of the explosion going back to the rule of cool i think that shot is just more just for that specific visual but uh the nuclear explosion like that probably would have flattened the place before fire would have been involved but for that there, there wouldn't be water splashing on her well, no, exactly. But uh, I'm, I'm not saying that there would be water splashing, but I'm saying the rule of cool in that scene is what's happening. That's, that's probably what was actually going through his mind, yes. Yeah. But to make this movie a bit deeper than it probably is, Yeah. if you have her dying with water splashing on her, the room filling up with water, Oh yeah. that the... your, your brain would do that. Uh, to, to, to be clear, all of our speculation on this about themes and depth and Sorry. stuff, I actually think is just us. The fact that it's disjointed and that some of the stuff doesn't match up, like her, her opening narration doesn't really, doesn't entirely fit with her character at the beginning of the movie and all the other stuff. It all just comes down to, I think this is just a dumb action movie. <laughs> it's, it's not, a, I, I don't even think it's supposed to, entirely be a horror definitely has moments where it just gets years like yeah it starts off as a disaster movie then uh you know and, and the survival that comes from that mm -hmm. and then 
Uh, there's another aspect to it that I can't quite that I've forgotten can't can't reclaim. But yeah. then it like shifts into a creature feature. Yeah, it shifts <laughs> into the that that opening. I mean, uh, up till we are introduced to the creature, it really does seem like it's going to be sort of a disaster thriller until we get the monster, and then. We, we still have the the shaking which they keep thinking well, what's going on there is that still is that aftershocks or what's going on but then they, we've got this monster to deal with and all the themes and the the the, the instance of kind of lost in translation anti-science and some of the other stuff yeah i i really think we're just sort of projecting because the the movie does so little of what it's trying to what we think it's trying to say well that i don't think it's actually there <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're gonna get into a couple of the heavier things now because these are things that i think are actually well we'll, we'll save the blowback for later because that ties into what you want to talk about here with and mm -hmm. no so i forgot about that one that q a and then have you seen filmento on YouTube, have you watched any of his stuff? Um, I want to say yes, but I maybe not. Uh, uh, like how to deceive the audience, I think was uh, the one. Uh, um, or how to trick the audience. You you cut out on the first part of uh, some of that. Um, no, I don't think I've seen that. But um. He he does kind of critical breakdowns of movies and talks about why they may have been successful or why they may have flopped or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he brought this point up with this movie and in the Q and A, um, which was done by one of Williams' cinematic friends. Like his, um, I don't I don't remember if he's actually a director or what, but they like know each other. Okay, and. They both brought up this hidden romance between Ronaldo and Nora, and I just want to say that's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. I just, I, it's not really a theme or anything that that's there. It's one of those things that other people were trying to read into or saying should be there. Really? Like, no. Yeah, like th this guy who was asking the questions, pushing uh, the actor for Ronaldo into that go hard. Like, was there romance there? Is a hidden romance? going on there and i can see maybe a little bit on ronaldo's side having some attraction but it's just it doesn't need to be an element of the story yeah and it wouldn't have made his death any more impactful no yeah that's weird <laughs> yeah i just wanted yeah. to touch on that because i made a note on it yeah <laughs> but um there is just like with um alien uh this element of how terrible the company is and a read into capitalism with that. Oh yeah. And that is very much set up through the um, opening and ending credits with all the, yeah, the, the, the additional information we get there. Yeah. 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 Cause there are examples of, like it talks about some mysterious things happening. I think it's supposed to be beforehand. Yeah. I, I even remember, even though I skipped it on my rewatch, I remember that from the uh, the other times that I've watched that this that uh, the opening credits talks about some mysterious disappearances and some other stuff that's going on, and at the end, they basically uh, trying to cover up what actually happened. Yeah, they try to with this distance event. themselves from 
it entirely in every way, shape, and form. And definitely an error of uh, the Wayland yutani Corporation going on there. That they're, they're just some element knows more than what they're saying, and that maybe yeah, okay, they were drilling for oil, but maybe that's not all they were doing. Yeah, because like your opening credits makes it a little bit more murky because it, it does make the comment that uh, you know they're. Some people uh, aired some grievances of, you know, mysterious things happening, companies not buying into it. And then it also makes a comment about, you know, what are the effects of being down underwater this long and in the dark and hallucinations and stuff. Yeah. And then the end plays a lot heavier on that because it, it does, you know, companies trying to keep the survivors away from everybody. Um they're denying help from the government. They're doing all this, you know, seemingly shady stuff. Yeah. Which is, um, that's something I did interesting because a lot of times, a lot of these movies will have this um, anti-capitalist messaging or anti-consumerism is a little bit more apt. But a lot of times the government and these other systems are just as interwoven in how that works. Like, um, they live is a, a really good example of that. And this movie goes out of its way through that to distance itself from that. The stuff is another one where the government and the companies are very interlaced and helping each other out, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do that one. Mm -hmm. I do find that interesting too, because a lot of times in real life, there is, you know, the FDA helping some companies and denying other companies things. Um, oh yeah. That's system is a great example of that can harm ingenuity and give certain companies the upper hand over other companies oh, and that's... helps to drive up prices and a lot of the things that so many of us find wrong with what's going on in the world right now. Oh yeah. The, the uh brain glitch. Um <laughs> uh copyright uh is another one which all YouTubers know fairly well but uh the i i have a feeling that uh the public domain laws are about to change here in the next uh uh five six tops ten years because uh uh disney if they don't spend a crap ton of money on their uh, government contacts and get some stuff changed mickey mouse will go public domain very yep. soon and, and Last uh, time, the, Warner last Brothers time. in DC helps out a lot with that too. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's just. Yeah, I'm not saying but, it's just Disney, but uh, uh, Disney is definitely a spearhead on that, and uh, everyone wants to have total control over their properties, but it 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 does stifle creativity because. Well, some just, some great stories on some characters will never be told because specific people just don't get the chance to write for them because the people that control them control it. If it that's the whole th thing about public domain. Stuff goes public domain is supposed to open it up and allow everyone the chance to utilize things that everyone knows and... Yeah, and then you have companies like Disney that um, have certain levels of cooperation with the government yeah. to rewrite those laws because getting the laws in place can be really tough sometimes, especially if it requires any kind of amendments to the Constitution or whatever. 
But once that law is already in place, they can just kind of change it willy nilly, mm. which we see happen a lot of times. It just it is something that I thought was a little bit interesting because, again, you know, a lot of these movies don't go out of their way to distance themselves from the government. Like um, even Alien, it's never the government's never brought in at all as an aspect of it. And um, it's so far into the future that it's almost implied that Waylon Utani is kind of like uh, big and large in the Pixar universe where it effectively becomes its own government. That is sort of the case in the Alien universe. Uh, the the uh, Waylon Utani has such a uh, stranglehold, effectively over what is left of the government because there the, the, there's a whole bunch of weird crap that happened in the uh in the alien backstory universe that uh uh that leads to where they are and that that's why the in the second movie it it's not a stretch for Wayland Utani to send out the marine the United States Marines so yeah i forget god it's been a while since i've watched that yeah it might just be something that gets overlooked but yeah the, the, there's a lot of a lot of layered backstory to that first movie that doesn't get into the movie in any way shape or form you, you actually have to look at that like, first movie doesn't really need to well exactly because it and, just works so well on its own without those additional elements but when you start yeah. expanding the world now mm-hmm. you do kind of need to introduce those and that's yeah. actually a very interesting um, way to segue into uh, the other thing. Uh, Jessica, what's her name? Who played Emily? Oh, yeah. She brought up one of the, the kind of elements which goes into Emily's comment about, you know, we've gone too far. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of repercussions of these things. And. Um, I'm putting it more into the specific category of blowback or unintended consequences. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you that uh, we went into aliens talking about how Willing Utani is able to effectively utilize this military force that is should be or maybe is a government entity, right? It, yeah, because when when I think about blowback, I think more often about 9/11 and how that's a response to our the United States decades of yeah. interference in the Middle East and how that started. Well, there might have been some before, but I think the real kicker for it starting was uh, 1953 in British Petroleum mm-hmm. asked the CIA to start a coup in Iran Yeah, because uh, their leader at the time was going to nationalize the oil, which would have cut all of those profits and everything off from um, BP. Yep. 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 And um little tangent here on this, I think you might have shared this a couple of times. What got me started on that path, understanding that, is um I kept seeing this picture of Afghanistan or Iran, um an Iranian woman mm-hmm. wearing a bathing suit, you know, very westernized picture, her oh, yeah. leaning up against a car in uh nineteen fifty, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. Like maybe 1948. And I'm like, what happened that they went to this completely other fundamental area? Yeah. And that was a turning point from that. And um, without getting too deep into the history, 
there is a successful overthrow of their of the current leader, a more fundamentalist leader took over, and that mm-hmm. we continue to do things like that in the region, um, even utilizing Osama bin Laden in the 80s and yep. 90s to fight against the Russians in the area. Mm-hmm. And that was his direct response for that was 9-11, flying those planes into American properties, something that sh- yep. did hurt us, but should have hurt us more. We, 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 we look at that event as an unprovoked attack, and it's only an unprovoked attack if you are ignorant of 40 years of history. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it, and it continues to this day because there's a lot of the same stuff happened, that happened during uh, oh, the yeah. kicked out the civil war in Syria. Oh, yeah. Where our administration at the time was giving weapons to Al Qaeda, the people who flew the planes into the towers on 9 11 to start a civil war there oh, because yeah. oil and other resources. And to tie that back into the unintended consequences, uh, the destruction that came from that from 9 11 initially, but also with Syria specifically, the um, immigrant crisis that came from that. Mm-hmm. Or it was the refugee crisis, that's right. They weren't necessarily immigrating, not by choice. <laughs> and, you know, the destruction that happened in their homes and they had nowhere to go. Yep. Little uh, geopolitical history in your horror talk. <laughs> Elements that play into horror, though. I mean, that's, that's oh, yeah. the whole reason why we're getting into true, talking about this. True horror, yeah. Um, there's those real life horrors, and, and mm-hmm. usually horror and comedy are the only ways to properly deal with those things oh yeah because action movies just sort of perpetuate glamorize uh, it and yeah perpetuate and glamorize and uh make it seem like it it, uh, in a lot of ways action movies are the band-aid for or the band-aid slash blindfold for the populace hey you can even get into that a little bit with drama with um oh yeah Oh, I forget the name of the movie, the one about Kyle, what's his face, that piece of crap. Oh, I, oh man, we're going to get I don't, I don't offhand know yeah. which one you're talking about. Um, the sniper that was on the gun range. Oh, okay. I, I know which one you're talking about. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I watched the movie. I don't remember. But no. um, that, that one's kind of, there are action elements up to it, but it's very much a drama. Yeah. And, you know, with those situations, there's a more clearly defined good guy and bad guy Yeah. in those regards, rather than, oh, things are a bit more muddy than you think they are. Yeah. But you know, the blowback in this movie is potentially, um, or theoretically, maybe is more correct for that, the drilling too deep and... Did they accidentally get into this gas pocket that released these monsters? Did it cause an earthquake that released them? You know, that yeah. that's what's kind of left unclear about it. And I think that, again, I think I said it at the beginning, doesn't provide the foundation for that theme to yeah. settle and then be carried through the movie. Because that very much could be if you introduce those creatures a little bit sooner, saying like the second act. I, I, I think we've gone to a good point where we can actually bring up the next part of what I was uh, working towards. Um, Why well, I put them in that order? <laughs> yeah. The the uh, so anyone who's already seen this knows that the big bad daddy of what's going on is Cthulhu. <laughs> Which I have a problem with them 
using that as just kind of like a hey, here's a thing. But and this is actually a shiny only, toy. <laughs> this is actually the only tidbit that I know from behind the scenes is yeah. Cthulhu was not in the script until post production. Interesting. Yeah. That um that would make sense why it doesn't fit thematically with anything else because Lovecraft yeah. um Lovecraft's work very often also has that element of madness driving things, which is oh, yeah. what put me into that space of you could very easily do this weird slasher movie where she thinks she's fighting monsters, but it's really her co-workers and yeah. And, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, Cthulhu. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this is actually the point where so in what was it? The Mountains of Madness is the book of his that uh, has Cthulhu in it. I think so. Um, um, there's that one. There's I think Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I, I tried listening to yes. um, In the Mountain of Madness. I didn't get through it because my copy was weird and the, kept getting out of order. Yeah. The, um, the, I think uh, if, I, if I remember right. A little bit too. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, In the Mountains of Madness is the one where we actually get to see Cthulhu. Um, okay. And they run this icebreaker ship into him. And the whole point, and, 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 and this isn't me reading into anything, uh, Lovecraft was basically uh quoted to an extent saying that them running the ship into cthulhu was supposed to uh uh highlight how ineffective humanity would be against these uh uh dark outer gods and yeah i like and that's one of the reasons i actually love the ending to this is and and also going back to the the little bit that we have with the uh, the uh, you've brought it up in terms of consequences I've brought it up in terms of anti science and the the reason I say that this is not anti science is one of one of the greatest uh, technological advancements we've ever made is basically used to blow Cthulhu to hell <laughs> nuclear reactor exactly and. Um, that is a total flip on the head of the uh, the, the Lovecraft-specific how ineffective we would be against them. And this is uh, science being used not in the way it was intended, but, but to have that effect against literal Cthulhu. And yeah, I mean, we don't see him die, but it's definitely okay. implied That's that he got explosions happening though. He is exactly. trying he's, to he, he's trying to away escape. And get he, caught he, he's trying to get bubble. away. Yeah. He definitely gets caught in the, uh, the, 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 the shock wave getting pushed out. Uh, whether or not it kills him, we don't know what's not shown, but it is, it definitely, did not not have an effect. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, At the very least, he looks like Darth Maul now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I mean, I could just imagine. We'll get into this tangent a little bit later, but the the way explosions work underwater is fascinating. Oh, it it really is, and 
uh, th th this is effectively the second nuclear reactor that goes off in this movie. And they're only, I mean, they're less than two miles away from where the first one went off. Yeah. And yeah, the first one didn't destroy them because that's how that would work underwater. The, 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 the effects would have been so minimized. Uh, it compared... depends on how big that blast, that explosion radius would be. And I have some serious reservations about the two survivors actually surviving for a few reasons. Okay. And the first one that bothers me is the depressurization. Now, mind you, the science, they don't get into it. Yeah, I don't know we... exactly what they're doing. But as yeah, quickly we... as they're running up that water column you should there should be some impact from that oh yeah the uh, depressurization's a bitch and uh the bends is deadly under the best of circumstances and that 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 is true we they don't get into the science of 30 years in the future enough to know what's going on yeah we, so so, this bothered me a lot, though, with this yeah. explosion. Like, essentially, when you have that explosion underwater, you're vaporizing all that air around it, and obviously, water has to replace it. And coming back to my Navy knowledge a little bit, most of your torpedoes aren't designed to actually damage the ship itself. Mm -hmm. They're designed to explode underneath it, creating a cavity. Mm -hmm. So that way, there's no support under that part of the ship, and it'll cause it to break. Yeah. essentially, for anybody who doesn't know how that works. Now, as you get deeper down in the water, those effects change drastically. Mm -hmm. um, but I did find this video from, I got to be like the 1950s or 40s or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it was showing like these explosions, they were doing it at different depths, and how most of the time the explosion would actually um, work its way down to the most rigid surface or work mm -hmm. its way towards the most rigid surface and they had it um by a wall they also put it you know close to the bottom of this tank or whatever they were working with and put it between steel plates to see how it would do and, like at one point when the plates were close enough the bubble actually split mm -hmm. but also you have the um effect of the explosion and i forget like these are pretty small uh, caps, and I, I forget how much they said it was, but the one ended up like it essentially looked like a firecracker, but based on the material, it could have exploded. Um, the explosion could have been more powerful. Yeah, and it had like a, a eleven inch sphere, so it was a pretty big explosion. So, you know, depending on how big that explosion actually is, would have an impact on that. And, oh, true. But um, it, it, was that first one a smaller nuclear reactor? Or was it large, uh, about the same size? What, do we it, know? Um, we do not know. Um, but uh, you, you, uh, you do have to remember one thing: these are reactors and not actual bombs. Yeah. So the fact, so the fact that these things go up in the manner that they do is actually less likely than uh that then 
uh, than issues with the explosion because the first one happens actually above them by at least half a mile, if not more. And as you were saying, the, the bubble would go up effectively. It would actually go down. So it would go to the closest, most rigid surface. And at that point, that would be the ground. Like even watching some videos of gunshots underwater, because there's an explosion there too. You can see as that initial explosion happens and comes out of the front of the barrel, Mm -hmm. the bubble starts working its way down to the bottom of the pool. And that's um, three or four feet away from it. So like some elements of the explosion go up, but the air bubble would continue as it's pulsating to go down to the ground. This, you know, it, it seems odd that that's how that would work, and I can't explain the physics behind it or anything. How, why that happens that way? Because it wasn't explained in any of the videos. Well, see, but and, and, it is and, what happens. Well, and, and that's the thing is uh, the 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 scientific because I am I am I am working on a physics and engineering degree. Yeah. Um, so the pressure versus the force of the explosion and if we have any listeners at this point i hope we're not losing them um (laughs) uh so the force of a nuclear explosion would radiate outward to a certain degree and then lose to the pressure because we, we are talking six plus miles under the water and that is ridiculous amounts of pressure so that is what is definitely making these less destructive than they would be i can say that for certain now the dynamics the, water, the dynamics are a lot different that's what i'm saying the 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 dynamics of the perpetuation of the shock wave and blast radius i cannot speak to specifically i have no specific knowledge in that area specific information but, on that too and we just don't know yeah, with, with, with the exception that um, even, and, and, and this is brought up in the movie, that uh, before the, uh, the, the monster starts causing problems and starts breaking stuff, that the water at that depth went up in a area effect by 10 degrees. Now they don't say if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit, doesn't really matter. 10 degrees change at that volume of water is ridiculous. Yeah. Both of those nuclear explosions wouldn't have changed the surrounding water by 10 degrees. (laughs) It it would have flash boiled off a bunch of it. Yeah. And then it would have dissipated and cooled. In fact, hot water cools faster than water at a equilibrium state because it is energized. So, <laughs> uh, weird, weird tangent. <laughs> uh, I take partial responsibility for that one. That was. It's a fun was, one, though. It is fun. I I like it. I think you liked it. I hope anyone listening at this point liked it too. <laughs> Watch this last night and i got down this rabbit hole on youtube of mm-hmm. trying to more specifically or more uh, to better understand 
how explosions underwater work because mm -hmm. the way our brains are the layman's brain would conceive of an explosion underwater is that you have this um outburst of air that has right. to come back and a lot of times you get a bubble and that rushes to the top. Mm -hmm. yeah M might even, and some people might even think of those uh old uh old videos from the nuclear tests where they detonated them a few uh, just below water to some degree or another and i and watched get, some of those yeah and, and you get to you get to watch something happen six miles up you're there, there isn't going to be any sign of these nuclear explosions <laughs> and, and that was one of the things that i was trying to understand because i mean mm -hmm. um i mean 500 feet down that was pretty good yeah effect like it created a tsunami oh yeah and again, like, but I couldn't find anything that explained that a lot better. Yeah. But the way the actual explosion works underwater, how it's, um, there is a pulsating bubble, like it collapses in on itself and mm -hmm. then the shock waves happen and yeah. it will continue until the energy is dispersed either from connecting with the surface or until it just runs out of energy. Yeah. And um, the depth because of the pressure has something to say about that. And yeah, at at six miles, not a hundred percent certain of the math, but I'm pretty sure a non-military grade nuclear weapon loses almost entirely. It, it's so hard to say because we've never done that. So oh no, we we've never done it, but we not that we, lear we learned. Uh, I've actually watched. Oh wow, we are weird on this one, uh, <laughs> but. I've actually watched some videos of a guy that uh, a physicist that reconstructed uh, uh, some of the old nuclear footage and he used them, the, the tests from the nuclear footage and uh, some fairly advanced uh, math and physics to basically get the most accurate read on the actual devastation and the actual power of those bombs and just from old video footage little literal film footage that he had to fix in some cases and examining the pulse waves on a frame by frame basis and doing the math yeah really interesting stuff and i, I hope, I hope someone <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I will admit to you, I am a little bit out of my element for not, you know, yeah. having a better understanding of physics itself because I've never studied it. But it, it's one of those things that, honestly, if we taught math right in this country, advanced, what we consider advanced physics would probably be a course most seniors would take the basics of. Yeah, if we taught math right. Because we teach math completely wrong. <laughs> a lot of things completely wrong in this country. Well, that's true, too. Um, anyways, you got anything else? Uh, if you've gotten through this conversation and haven't seen this movie, go give it a watch. Even though we've spoiled the hell out of it. it I think it's fun. Yeah. Hey, each, each time I've watched this, I've actually enjoyed it a little bit more. So there is something enjoyable. No. I said, this director definitely has this rule of cool aspect to his storytelling. If he, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays Dungeons and Dragons, but 
right? he's somebody I would definitely enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons. I would agree with that. <laughs> um, and and check out his other big movie, or not, not big movie. Um, he had a small budget for it. He did it. Um, but check out his other movie, The Signal. It's fun, interesting story, and you can tell that he definitely already kind of has his style of what he wants to do with his stories and yeah. does it. Because that, like, the whole reason why I watched The Signal was to see if it was the director or if maybe there was some studio interference. Yeah. And I, I think it was just a, this, just the way this guy works. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen any of his other work, but I, I would agree with that. It's it definitely has kind of earmarks of a uh, what I guess I would coin as an auteur perspective, and that this movie had a big budget comparatively, yeah, sixty million. Yeah, this this and for 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 for, for a movie that uh, flew almost entirely under the radar yeah this had a decent budget um, yeah yeah 50 to 80 according to wikipedia yeah so it too bad that it just didn't hit it, i don't know i feel like almost if you want to say there's studio interference it was in the marketing and this was the, the, the last fact, yeah. movie with the fox 20th century logo yeah yeah because um this movie was released after Disney had acquired Fox. Yeah. Speaking of more Disney influence in the world. Right. <laughs> um, it, it probably just, all right, we're just going to put this out there just to get everything, just to clear the table yeah. and move forward. And uh, there, there's almost no marketing for it. It was released in February or January. Yeah. And late, that was, late, it, yeah. And that was even in the beginning of, um, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen, and while it hadn't quite hit the United States yet, I think that probably had an impact on things too, and probably definitely had an impact worldwide because, you know, yeah. China had already was already suffering from that and, um, was already locked down. Yeah, and they're the actually I think they're bigger than we are now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are a bigger market at this point than we are. I think we'll put a button in this and then you and I can continue on tangents afterwards. <laughs> Probably a good thing, especially if you made it through this. I, I found it fascinating, but whatever. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it's it's nice to have a platform to get certain information out there that unless you're a political nerd sometimes it's hard to get. And that's one of the another reason why I wanted to talk or wanted to do this was to be able to more informative, more entertaining way. Mm. Doing just a straight political podcast, you kind of get lost in that sea. Yeah. All right. Again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, got some other stuff in the works. Um, as far as you and I are concerned, I uh, picked Jennifer's body to do next. Mm, yes. Which is an interesting one, I think. I agree. <laughs> for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but we'll get into that next time. Yep. Uh all right. Well, toodles people. Bye bye.